Warning! Deep Fix contains adult content and language. So if you don't touch processed foods but eat gummy bears, this may not be for you. And now, Deep Fix. Hello, and welcome to Deep Fix, where we're getting a fix of all of our favorite obsessions. I'm your host, Jen B. This season, we're doing a deep dive into the iconic Real Housewives of New York City, seasons one through three. And this episode, we're doing a breakdown of season one, episode four, Social Wife. Now, let's get our fix. Before we get into our breakdown of the episode, let's talk about some things that are currently happening with our Real Housewives franchises and housewives themselves. Like, I'm hearing that the Housewives of New Jersey are starting to ice out current castmate Jennifer Aiden. And you hear you hear rumors swirling of icing outs. I've heard them in Atlanta. You hear them in, in some of the other cities, Beverly Hills, that some of when some of the elites, you know, the the favorites, the housewives, the main cast, will ice out or choose favorites, decide you know, really do the picking and choosing themselves of who's going to be on the show, throw a fit, say they're not going to film if so-and-so is on the show. I think we, you even heard, if you watch Watch What Happens Live, which is our our friend Andy Cohen's show, he had Garcelle on from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills after one of the most recent episodes, and she was talking about how Denise Richards possibly wanted to come back, but that somebody would have to leave the show. And of course, Andy being the antagonist that he is, says, do our initials are LR for Lisa Rinna? And, you know, Garcelle, of course, had a good laugh at that. But you can see how they start to manipulate, make demands on who they want on the show. I just have to say, I hope you hear us, brother Andy Cohen, hear us. This is what makes season one through three of The Real Housewives of New York City, which we are currently doing a deep dive. It's what makes it so great. These the the women themselves and and really i should just say what made housewives great right this is the the blueprint for the, the original shows the women themselves had to have an interesting life enough so that they could carry their however many minutes they got per episode to be featured and so they were doing things themselves and so they were hiring interesting people not just difficult people and of course they're probably interesting difficult people but they're not just throwing them all in a room together and say okay pick a fight it's why everyone loved it but you know they also made sure that there are some intertwining relationships people know each other they're introducing each other we'll see it on this episode as you start introducing each other to each other. You know, certain people hang out in certain circles. So anyway, producers, Bravo TV, Andy, please hear us. Stop letting the the mainstay of the cast, the star of the show, and some of their followers dictate who's on the show and stop thinking it's the drama that we love. What we really loved about The Housewives is it was interesting people with their own lives, and then there happened to be fireworks sometimes within the cast itself, right? So please hear us, especially in these times when the ratings are hitting all-time lows. Just a note from me to you. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. Now let's do a run-through of the episode with a little something I like to call turtle time.
All right, so episode four, Social Wife, opens up with dinner at Nello, and we see Jill, Bethany, and Alex, they're all arriving at separate times, meeting each other for dinner, and we see that the ladies are getting to know each other, and Jill is saying how she's not typically a girl's girl, but it's nice to get together occasionally and catch up and have some time. We see Alex very concerned with how it appears she's rearing her children. And of course, Bethany is commenting along the way, which is fantastic. And then we cut to Ramona and she's having a girl's night with two of her girlfriends and they're out at a bar They're talking about plastic surgery and staying young and how they exercise and what they do to stay in shape and the way that they look. And then we flash back to Nello where Luann arrives. She's meeting the ladies for dinner as well. And she walks in with a story about how her kids have now caught lice from camp in Switzerland and it was just horrific and she's exhausted. She's been dealing with all of it. The girls, of course, are horrified. And Luann and Alex then start chatting about how they both speak Italian and French. And they're hitting it off a little bit. And we see just the hint of jealousy starting to seep out of Jill about the relationship. And then we're back to Ramona. And we see that men are coming up and they're hitting on them. And she and her girlfriends are dancing and having a heck of a time out on their girls' night. And the men are behaving terribly. And then we go back to dinner with the ladies at Nello, where Luann and Alex continue to bond, and Jill continues to get more jealous as the time goes on. And then it's time for them to leave, but Jill mentions that they're going to have to have a dinner with Ramona so Alex can get to know her as well. So they all leave and they go home for the night. And then cut to Alex's townhouse, where we see she and Simon are talking about a possible private tour of Jill's friend's new school, Claremont, this very prestigious preparatory school in New York City in Manhattan. And Simon mentions that perhaps they should do dinner with Jill and her husband, Bobby, to further discuss the school process. And so from there, we head to the dinner. So they, Alex and Simon, take Jill and Bobby to the Kobe Club, where they have a wonderful dinner. They're getting to know each other. They're talking about schools and the tour. And you can see Alex is thrilled and Jill is thrilled to help. And then we're on to Bethany's Unexpected Mexico event, the event that we heard about from the last episodes. And we see her networking the hell out of this event. And we meet the a friend of her father's named Lee, who's the CEO of a gigantic liquor company, foreshadowing, hint, hint. I believe it's the, probably the beginning of what is to become Skinny Girl Cocktails. And then we cut to Luann's townhouse where she's getting ready to go downtown with her 23-year-old niece. They're going out for the night. They're ready to party. And we see her interactions with her children. She's getting dressed with her daughter, Victoria, who's very critical of her outfits and her jewelry. And as she comes down and is talking to Rosanna, her nanny slash housekeeper, about what the kids are going to have for dinner, we see Noel, her 10-year-old son, come down, and he clearly does not want his mother to leave. He's not thrilled, to say the least. And from there, we cut back and forth between Luann going out downtown and what's happening with Rosanna and the kids at the townhouse. And it's just brilliant editing. And then we go back to Ramona's where she is getting a call from Avery's agent to come in that day for an uh, an audition for what they are saying is a Meryl Streep movie. Who knows? And so, of course, Ramona pulls Avery out of school 20 minutes early, and they head over to the audition. 
And there we see them prepping for the audition and Ramona is in full stage mom mode. And then we cut to Alex and Simon and they've got their private tour of the Claremont School. And of course, we see Simon trying way too hard. And and as Bethany keeps saying throughout the episodes, it comes off so pretentious. And then lastly, we cut to Bethany. She's at her house having drinks with one of her girlfriends, Lauren. They're drinking martinis. They're having a grand old time, giggling, laughing, talking about Jason, her boyfriend. And Bethany is, you know, reflecting on the fact that they're on the same page. They know that if in the next six months to a year, things aren't moving forward, they wouldn't be in this relationship. Lauren leaves and Jason comes home to a two martini and Bethany, who then proceeds to make dinner for them. They then go and sit at dinner. She's made a beautiful dinner. And Bethany proceeds to then engage in one of the most awkward conversations caught on television. Your heart goes out to her. She starts talking about her relationship and possible moving in with Jason. And he couldn't be more evasive. And the conversation could not be more awkward. So we cut with the conversation. It it turns to Bethany's voiceover, basically saying they're not on the same page. And the episode ends. It's time for Mention It All, where we're doing a deep dive into the episode. Although it wasn't spicy, per se, it did a great job of laying out who these people are and following them through their lives. And it set a good tone for the characters as well. Note to Bravo, this was a great way to do things prior to shoving them in a room and saying fight or find something to bitch about. This was actually having to have something interesting in your life, following them around. And it made such a difference to the feel of the episode and really getting to know who everyone is. So anyway, I love these early episodes of Housewives because the music, their transition music, I always call it swanky. It just... This They put a swanky spin on the New York Housewives, which I just love. It gives a good vibe. It takes me back. And we open with Jill and Bethany meeting at the restaurant. The name of the restaurant is Nello. And the ladies are having a, somewhat of a girl's evening. And it's interesting. There's a voiceover of Jill saying that she's not really a girl's girl. And she doesn't see the point in girls' nights. But she's happy to get together with the ladies for a dinner occasionally. You know, she likes that. But it's interesting because watching it back, this is juxtaposed against Ramona, who from the beginning, as I said before, her through line is, I'm an independent woman. My girlfriends are important to me. You know, I spend time with them. We do things. I make sure I nurture my relationships with my girls. So I'm starting to see Jill's intentional diss to Ramona. And then Alex arrives and we get a voiceover how she's talking about it's strange to go out without Simon because he's her best friend, right? They don't do anything apart. They're always together. And we hear Jill and her voiceover where she's commenting that it's strange. He's a bit too attached at the hip. And she makes the funny comment of, whoa, boy, down, boy, let your wife come out and play with us. And Jill also mentions that Simon said something to her about he'd wear a dress so he could come and be invited because he doesn't want to be left out. And Jill is like, "Okay, that's that's enough, buddy. Just just back it off. We've we've got a a show about us women. Let us women do our thing. 
So we see Jill and Bethany and Alex. The three of them have arrived at the restaurant. They're sitting around a table. And Alex is talking about how Francois, who's three, their son, has started pre-K and was devastated that he didn't get homework. And you hear Bethany quipping, look at her, this this guy's reading the menu, her kid's reading the menu in Latin, and I'm just, you know, trying to figure out life. And of course, Jill, or Alex pipes in, well, he does sing Twinkle Twinkle in Latin. It's hilarious. And of course, Bethany gets a kick out of it. And of course, we have our Greek chorus, Bethany, observing that Alex is so obsessed and focused on rearing perfect children, which she said is, of course, a setup because there are no perfect children. And the scene ends. And then we're on to Ramona. And we see her. She's having a girl's night. She's out with Joni, who is actually a friend of hers who we see many times throughout many of the seasons of Housewives. But this is our first meeting with Joni. And her friend Cindy, who's that beautiful Playboy model gal who she had that incident with at the pool. And she's out having a girls' night with the ladies. They're sitting around at a bar slash dance club, enjoying a drink, talking about plastic surgery and how they stay young. And Ramona, who even to this day at 65 or whatever she is, looks, you know, 40. She's it looks she looks amazing. She's talking about how she delays plastic surgery as long as possible, although she's, you know, she believes in plastic surgery. She just believes in delaying it. And then they're talking about Ramona's butt, which, of, of course, her legs, her butt, she's in great shape. So the ladies are talking about what a great ass she has. And so she's showing them the squat she does to keep her butt in good shape. And then we have our first Ramona mispronunciation of Derriere. She says, you know, she's got a great derriere. It's just so great. And then we're back to the dinner at Nello and Luann arrives. She walks in with the story that her kids have had lice from camp in Switzerland. And Bethany is just completely creeped out. She's freaking out. Jill is shocked that the countess would talk about such a thing in public. And Bethany seems, it's interesting. I noticed she seems a little too attentive to Luann. And remember, they're all just meeting each other. They're all feeling each other out. Bethany is just trying to get her name out there and just starting out in the world in terms of her business. And I noticed because, of course, they end up not getting along in all of the seasons of Housewives. It was just interesting. She just seemed a little attentive, like perhaps she was trying to impress the Countess in a small way, in a small way. And we see Jill, she's getting a little jealous that Alex and Luann, who as they start talking, are bonding. And we see some of Jill's ego. She's talking about, she never heard of it, but I did. That's that's the just, it's perfect. It's Jill just in a, in a, in a nutshell. It's perfect. And Alex is talking about how she and Simon love opera. She went to Northwestern to their music school, which we find out then Luann shares that her husband also went to Northwestern and you can tell Luann loves that connection. And we see Bethany again with her over with her voiceover talking about how Alex overcompensates for her insecurities, which comes off as pretentious, which is true. And then both Luann and Alex discover they speak Italian and French. They both, I believe, have lived in Italy at one point in their life. And so they both start speaking in Italian, which, of course, 
Jill, the jealousy is just bleeding out of her eyeballs. And there's even a voiceover that she says when people start speaking uh, a different language, she feels left out and she's jealous because she doesn't know how to speak another language. I think she said she doesn't even know how to speak English, which is pretty funny. I got to give her that. And then just to give us a dose of reality, we've got Bethany who says she can speak French, but she didn't feel the need, the, the need to, to jump in and participate because it seemed like a bit of a pissing contest. And we also see as much as I said, Bethany seemed like she was being a little bit too attentive to the countess. She is still, we see her, she's giving us doses of realness where Alex is very worried about how she looks. We see Bethany chiming in with things like, oh, I dress like a homeless person during the day. And it's so relatable. And Luann and Alex are continuing to bond. And Luann says something like, well, you're obviously a very sophisticated lady, which is hilarious fast forward to season three and of course jill says she's shocked that luann liked alex so fast because luann tends to keep her circle small and jill's a bit jealous that they're getting along so well and is trying to attribute it to the fact that perhaps they have so much in common and we part with the ladies hitting it off like a wildfire and then we're back to ramona and the ladies at the bar and men start showing up and they're hitting on them or at least flirting with them and if you watch real housewives throughout all seasons you will never believe who shows up to hit on Ramona and Joni and Cindy but freaking Tom tell me it's not about Tom it's about Tom yeah that Tom Tom D'Agostino Luann's husband for a hot second Tom shows up who apparently is a playboy around town just constantly trying to look for women Tom shows up with terrible lines you know he's I think he's like are you guys the models over here and they're like whatever Tom calls Ramona lazy, which I believe is because you can tell she's not impressed. So she's not, and she's married. So she's not interested in getting to know him. And then, you know, of course, Ramona, excuse me, did you call me lazy? She can't believe it. Then he calls Joni promiscuous, which Joni's disgusted, but I've got to give it to Ramona. I noticed I really liked how Ramona behaved. These guys were being New York City assholes, misogynist. It was just ridiculous. And Ramona's having none of it. She tells the guys, yeah, I think I'm bored with you guys. And of course, one of the dudes is like, I like Joni. Ramona, I'm not so sure about you. And she's like, whatever, get out of here. And Joni is a little too nice to guys who are dicks to her, right? It's Anyway, it was interesting to watch from afar. And I got to give Ramona credit. She, based, she, she smelled those guys from a mile away and told them to get the hell out of here because they were dicks. We then swing back to the dinner with the girls and Luann asks to change seats so she can sit closer to Alex and she wants to get to know her. They're hitting it off, like I said, like wildfire. And so that means Bethany and Jill are now sitting next to each other and they're having their own conversation where Bethany is explaining that she and Alex don't really have much in common. You know, she keeps her circle small. And of course, Jill says, am I your people? And Bethany says, yes, you're my people. And Bethany talks about how she doesn't really need any new friends. And I think that really gives a good insight into who Bethany is. Eventually, it becomes time to leave. Alex is talking about how she works for Victoria's Secret Beauty, and she's got to travel to their headquarters because half of them are here and half of them are somewhere in the Midwest. And she wants to see the kids. Jill then mentions that she we've got to have a dinner with Ramona next time so you can meet her, Alex. And I thought that was interesting because I noticed it was all the ladies at that dinner except for Ramona. And it made me think, you know, what is up with that? And it was, I have two thoughts. Either 
because you can see that Jill and Luann are definitely gunning for Ramona. Either they didn't invite her purposefully to try to ice her out, one of the first ice outs in history, or Ramona really did want to highlight night out with her girlfriends and the other ladies, perhaps Jill, did not appreciate that she was going to have her own storyline outside of them. I'm not sure, but knowing Jill, I'm wondering if Ramona was even invited. And then we get the voiceover from Alex where she says, one thing Simon and I love is meeting interesting people and moving through higher and higher circles in society. And you're just like barf, right? I mean, it's, she's falling into the trap and she's giving them clips to, oh man, Alex. And and this is her mistake, right? Where I've, I'm noticing Bethany, like I said, you see the moments where she's saying, oh God, I'm in sweatpants most of the day, or I'm, I'm hustling. I'm not part of the Hamptons crowd. I don't have the money to have that house. She's, she's real. She's presenting herself. She's showing the struggles where Alex and Simon are so desperate to fit into society that they're faking it. And Alex really could have connected with a lot more people had she talked about the fact that they're, they're struggling to fix up their house to get their kids in school, which at least that part they were a bit um, honest about, but everyone struggles in New York City to get their kids in a good school. But the rest of it, it would have been so refreshing and she probably would have connected a lot more with the audience. And speaking of Alex, we go back to Alex's Brooklyn townhouse where she and Simon are playing with the kids and they're talking about Jill's friend who owns the school, the Claremont Prep School, and Francois, who's three, they'd like to get him in there, of course. And Jill has offered her friend Michael owns it and she's offered to get them a private tour, which of course they're thrilled about. And I noticed in the, in, was it the first episode or the second episode? I was commenting on Jill's outfit because she really is, she has terrible style through these seasons, but there is terrible style throughout just the time of when this was filmed, because I noticed just like Jill had the bedazzled jeans, there's Alex wearing bedazzled jeans. They're just, why did we ever think those are cute? Anyway, we see Simon and Alex talking about the school and Simon says, you know, perhaps we should have Bobby and Jill out to dinner so we can talk about this and set up the private tour and all of that. And the scene ends with Alex leaving and she's talking to her son and says, okay, well, let's, let's go make ice cream. And Francois says, no, store ice cream is better than the ice cream that you make. It's again, I love it when there's just an honest moment caught on camera. And we then cut to the Kobe Club, where Alex and Simon have invited Jill and Bobby to have dinner. And this is the first time that Jill, uh, or I should say Alex and Simon are meeting Bobby. And I noticed that Alex or Jill mentions to Bobby that, oh yeah, this is Alex and Simon who we met through Bethany. And I started thinking, why, you know, how did she meet them? Where did they come in? Just to go down a little bird walk with me. But originally the show was called Manhattan Moms and Simon and Alex live in Brooklyn. And I'm wondering if they were having a hard time finding cast members who were in Manhattan to fill the the spot. And through things, eventually the Real Housewives of New York City came to be, which New York City includes Brooklyn. And therefore Alex and Simon are, are now included in the show. So perhaps they were a late ad which is why it seems that no one knows them. And they're saying they met through Bethany and even Bethany doesn't really know them very well, but I digress. So we're at dinner with the four of them. And then of course, Bobby does some cheesy toast and Simon is talking the private school process. And Jill says, you know, my friend Michael would be happy to give you a private tour. 
it's, we hear her say, it's very convenient for you, you know, Jill, I love it. And we see Jill talking about how she's a connector and she loves introducing people. We even see Bobby at that dinner saying, you know, if you want to know someone or get something done, you ask Jill, it'll happen. And then we see, it's a hilarious scene, but we see Jill starting to dig Alex and Simon about the name of their kid, Francois. So Jill says, my God, this is a voiceover, not to Alex, but she says, my God, they're going to get their ass kicked in school. And so she's talking to, to Alex about the name and has said, kids, little, little kids aren't going to be able to do Francois. Have you come up with an alternative? And Alex says, well, perhaps Franck. Jill says, Franck? Yeah, kids aren't going to do Franck. That'll become Frank. So you better be good with that. And it's just, it's so good because you see Jill at her best and Alex is so disarmed and doesn't know what to say. And they ask Bobby about Zarin Fabrics and his family's business. And he explains they've been in business since 1936 and that they provide the fabric for large opera houses, theaters, beautiful homes, etc., He also mentions that he and Jill love to travel. And then we get the St. Bart's talk. And so Jill is talking about how during Christmas and over New Year's, that's when they and their friends all go down to St. Bart's. That's the high season. No one goes during the low season when Alex and Simon were there in August. And we get my one of my favorite Jill jabs when the same room that she's paying $2,000 a night for, they're paying like $300 a night for. So we're starting to get a sense that perhaps Alex isn't as in with the in crowd as as she presents. Jill also mentioned that Alex is younger and that when she might need her because Jill is older and she needs as a younger woman coming up through society, she needs someone like her. And Jill said she's happy to help. And now we're on to Bethany with the Unexpected Mexico event. That is the event that we heard um, she talked. She was talking about with Jake, one of her business buddies, the event production guy from an episode previous. It's a culinary networking event. Her friend Jake is there. And then we also meet Lee, who's the CEO of a giant liquor company. And he's also friends with Bethany's dad. And I just thought this was a great foreshadowing. And I'm sure one of her connections, because Skinny Girl Cocktails is just a few years around the, you know, around the corner. So I'm sure this connection has something to do with that. And Bethany is in this tight green leather dress. She wants to make sure everyone knows it's green leather and not black leather. And we hear her talking about networking and her relationship with her father and how that really gave her her drive. And even Jake and some of the others are talking about how she was the only one hustling and networking, or at least did it the best in that room that night. And Bethany mentions that networking is important too. If she's going to build herself as a brand, it's all about networking. And in fact, she talks about how American Express Travel and Leisure wants her to do an event with them. And we see she's sitting at the table because they flash the lady's name, which I'm sure is no coincidence, from American Express, who's at the table with with, with Bethany and Lee. And Lee's talking about her father. And for as much as she tries to act like she's not interested in her father or a relationship with him, the first thing she said is, what does my father say about me? To which Lee responds, independent person. And she wants it to be very clear that he commit, he did not contribute much to her life except for perhaps her fear of commitment. And he was, in her, in her opinion, never showed her an ounce of love. And it's led to her looking for men to take care of her or she's afraid that they'll leave her. And she obviously we start getting introduced and see over the course of the years that she's got relationship issues. 
And they talk about, remember, her dad is a famous uh, horse trainer in the horse world. And they talk about how her dad has a horse coming up in the Breeders' Cup. And when Lee inquires, she explains that she grew up at the at the track, but it wasn't really her due to her her real father, her biological father. And she makes it very clear she doesn't want her real father to be seen as any reason for her success. And you see a voiceover of her saying about her dad, despite you, I'm successful. Despite you, I'm going to make it. And we end with a voiceover of her saying, I'm going to be a huge success. And you got to give it to the producers for putting that on because what a prophecy because she does become a huge success. And clearly she had a goal and she worked like hell to achieve it. We then cut to Luann, who's telling her daughter, Victoria, that she's going downtown with her 23-year-old niece to go out for the night. And she's trying on outfits and putting on jewelry and Victoria's giving her opinion, most of which is critical. And we hear Luann talking about how she loves hanging out with her her niece and it keeps her young. And once she's dressed, she heads downstairs and she tells Rosanna, her housekeeper slash nanny, you know, about dinner and don't wait up for me. And there's a voiceover where she says, Rosanna's the mom when I'm gone. And Victoria's friend Matt comes over. Rosie says that she really raises Luann's kids like she raised her own kids. And she will chime in and discipline when needed. Thank God for Rosie. And then we see her son, Noel, who does not want Luann to leave. He's very upset about it. And you start to see it really is shining a light on perhaps how often Luann goes out and how dysfunctional she and her husband's relationship is because he's so upset. And you hear her talking about how she's not the typical mom that Noelle envisions. And he he says out loud, you know, every other parents are home every night. You know, when when are you coming home? And she promises to come home early, which I'm sure she didn't. And I thought it was interesting, but at the very end, if you catch it, he asks Roseanne, is she coming back tonight? Which to me leads to the conclusion that she doesn't come back some nights and she's staying out. We then go back and forth and the editors have cut it where it's a jump back and forth showing Luann out and then her kids with Rosie at the house. It really, you can see the editors and the producers are making a statement with the way that they're putting the show together. So we then jump to the little giant bar with, she's there with her niece, who's super, I don't know, kind of wannabe bohemian, 23 year old, clearly out on the town. And you hear Luann say to the bartender, you know, make the, make the cocktails a little on the stronger side. And she's talking about how it feels so great to be out and forget about being a mom. I'm sure she regrets saying these things on camera. And she mentions how when the Count goes out of town, she gets to do what she wants and she gets to go out. And then we see a voiceover from her where she says, although she, of course, she's happy in her life, at least once a week, she says, oh, I want to be Nicole, her niece. And I'm living vicariously through her. And uh, I don't believe, I, I just think the cracks are starting to show. And then we jump back to Luann's house and her kids are there with Rosanna and they're talking about boarding school because Victoria is being considered for the boarding school that I believe her her father, the Count, went to. I'm not sure if it's a defensive position or posturing of having been possibly going to boarding school or if she really does want to get away from her parents. But you see her talking to Rosie and Rosie saying this boarding school is not an excuse to get away from your parents and that she needs discipline, which is why Rosie does discipline her. And Rosie calls Luann Mrs. D, which I love. You see voiceovers of Rosie being really honest, saying that 
Mrs. D needs to spend more time with the kids. And then we see Victoria telling Rosie, you know, my dad is so old fashioned and he won't even let us hang out at the deli when we want to go hang out. And Rosie's like, no, it looks cheap. You're 12. Like you don't need to be hanging out at some place on the corner. And you're like, preach Rosie. It's, it's just so good. And we see Roseanne telling her that the way she speaks to her mom is very disrespectful and that Rosie says, in my country, you'd be smacked. I'd smack you if you talked like that. And then we see Roseanne make the comment because, you know, all the all the housekeepers, the nannies, they all have their own circles, too. And Rosie says in New York City, the housekeeper slash nanny, they raise the kids because the parents want it to be easy and they want to enjoy nightlife and go out. And she wishes Luann would spend more time with her kids. (laughs) Cut to Luann and her niece walking the streets of New York City, walking past a sex shop, making jokes about the dildos in the window. And then, of course, Luann plays a little naive as if she doesn't know what these are, like she's some sexual prude. And then there's this weird scene where she buys a necklace from a street vendor and it's like a light up strobe light with a marijuana leaf on it. And she wears it. But I don't know if it was like outside the concert because they are going to some rinky dink concert, I'm sure, of a band member of that her niece knows or something. So they go into this place called Cake Shop where it's got a small little stage and this is where they're watching the band. And we see Luann loving living the life of a young kid in downtown New York City. Cut to Ramona's condo where Wilhelmina agency, uh, uh, Avery, her daughter's agent, calls with a last minute audition for a Meryl Street movie. I'm dubious as to whether it's actually a Meryl Street movie, but... Of course, it's last minute, so we understand that it's at 3 o'clock, but Avery gets out of school at 3 o'clock. But of course, once she hears it's a Meryl Streep movie, she'll pick her up early. We see Ramona talking about how angry Avery has a gift, but her grades are really important to her, which we know, of course, that's true. So once Ramona hears that it's the Meryl Streep movie and jumps at the chant, she pulls Avery out of school 20 minutes early, and we see them heading to the, to the casting agency. And on the way there in the car and while they're waiting in the waiting room, we see Ramona coaching Avery through and she's taught to keep telling her, you know, really aggressively, stop talking so fast. You got to talk slower. And we just she's in full stage mom mode. Avery then auditions. And of course, Ramona's trying to listen at the door, but it looks like there's soundproof, uh, some sort of soundproofing around the door. So I'm sure she couldn't hear anything. And at the end, Avery gets notes, which they're like, you don't have to talk so slow. Who would tell you to talk so slow? And of course, as they leave, the guy quips something like, remember what I said, mothers or acting coaches, not mothers. And as they leave, the guy's talking about how he couldn't tell if this is something that Avery wanted to do or that Ramona wanted Avery to do. And let's be honest, it looks like it's something Ramona wants Avery to do. And then we cut to Alex and Simon And they're going to be taking the private tour of Claremont Preparatory School. And we see Simon, he's overcompensating on everything. Recall, Jill was talking about that French immersion program. And so, of course, he's showing pictures of his kids and going, well, of course, they're happy. They were at St. Bart's just speaking French for two weeks on the beach. And you see the owner going, oh, is that right? And he's just dropping all of these. It's just it's overcompensation at its finest. So as we're getting the tour, they're talking about how it's an old bank building. It was the old Wells Fargo or Bank of America building. It's really cool. There's a vault in the cafeteria because that's where the old vault was. And you hear the director who's giving the tour talking 
And she mentions that this is the only school in Manhattan who has a full-time nutritionist on staff. It looks top of the line, and I'm sure it is. We then jump to Bethany, and she's having drinks in her small little condo with her girlfriend, Lauren, lychee martinis, and they're having several of them, getting a little toasty. They're talking about Bethany's boyfriend, Jason, and he's coming over for dinner later that evening after Lauren leaves. And Bethany's talking about how, you know, she hasn't slept in her own bed in six months. They live at Jason's house and they should be moving in together. And it seems like they're on the same page. You see voiceovers of Bethany talking about if we're not serious and taking steps forward in six months to a year, then I'm not interested in this relationship. It's it's real for her. She's in her mid to late 30s now. She really she talks about how she understands the the ticking clock concept from women. She didn't get it before, but she gets it now and she wants to have a kid and she's not messing around. Then we cut to a few drinks later. The ladies are super giggly. They're having fun. They're talking about their relationships. Lauren starts talking about how she is the more sexual one in her relationship and she's all over her husband and doing impressions of him just saying, hey baby, let's just cuddle. It's pretty funny. The ladies are having a blast. Then Lauren leaves. We see Bethany getting ready and Jason comes home. Bethany admits right away she's already drunk and she's in a voiceover is describing Jason and she's saying he's honest, reserved, quiet, and he's a really good man. And so she starts telling Jason the story of Lauren and what Lauren was telling her when they were hanging out, having drinks. And then they go sit down to dinner. Bethany's made a beautiful dinner. Of course, she's the natural food chef. I'm sure she wanted to cook every second she could on camera. And we can just feel the tension in the room. You can see he doesn't want to talk about their relationship. Perhaps it's either he doesn't want to talk about where they're at or doesn't want to do it on camera or perhaps both. And Bethany's voiceover, she says exactly what we're seeing. She was nervous. She drank too much. She started bringing up relationship issues. It was all a mess. So we see them sit down to dinner and eventually Bethany builds up the courage to say, so... Lauren says she's got people who may want to sublet my apartment. What do you think about that? Should we consider moving in together? And this launches what is one of the most cringeworthy moments in television. And poor Bethany, it's you just feel so bad for her because you're watching her just, it's, you know, it's not quite rejection, but it was. And so they sit down to dinner and she's, when she's talking about the sub, possible subletting of her apartment, he just kind of blows it off, doesn't really want to talk about it, and eventually just says, let's talk about it later. And he has kind of a wry smile on her face. And his response a couple more times is, let's talk about it later. And she you know, presses him a little bit. You don't want to talk about it now? And he's like, nope. And you can see she's trying to smile through absolute devastation on her face And it was just a really sad moment for her and for her relationship. And the episode closes with Bethany's voiceover saying that she and Jason just clearly are not on the same page and we're not feeling good about where the relationship is headed. That's for sure. And that about does it for season one, episode four of The Real Housewives of New York City, Social Wife. And check out our website on Podbean and follow us on Twitter at Deep Fix Podcast. Join us next week when we're doing a deep dive into episode five, Careful, She Bites. See y'all next time.